You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, and welcome back to A Mindful Moment. Thank you so much to our listeners. We're so grateful to have an opportunity to feel connected to a wider community. There's never been a better time to build your mindfulness skills. Mindfulness not only improves your mental, emotional, and physical well-being, but provides a foundation for remaining calm during stressful challenges and events. Through mindful thoughts and actions, we can do more than just survive these challenges. We can continue to thrive. The key to becoming more mindful is simply practice. We hope this podcast will provide you with knowledge, inspiration, motivation, and helpful strategies to cope with current events. Working together, we can not only get through any situation, but can learn and grow from the experience. So let's get started. While this is probably true in most countries, U.S. citizens are reporting significant and sustained increases in symptoms of depression and anxiety related to the disruptions caused by the pandemic, according to recent data from Healthline and YouGov's COVID-19 tracker. Women, minorities, people with pre-existing health conditions, and adults under 34 all reported higher rates of fear and anxiety well above historical norms. Now, with the reopening creating even more anxiety, I think it's important that we all pay close attention to our own mental states, but also pay attention to children and young adults who may not be as self-aware as those of us who have not only been around longer, but who have experienced more unsettling events in our lives. We know we can get through because we've done it before, but they may not have that experience to rely on. Children's responses to stressful events are unique and varied. Some children may be irritable or clingy, and some may regress, demand extra attention, or have difficulty with sleeping or eating. New and challenging behaviors are natural responses, and adults can help by showing empathy and patience, and by calmly setting limits when needed. Children take their cues from the adults in their lives, so it's particularly important to check in with our own state of being and take steps to self-regulate. If we can remain calm, they feel safer and more secure. That's not easy, especially as circumstances continue to change on a regular basis, but that's where mindfulness can really support our efforts. As fear and anxiety increase over the reopening of the economy and people returning to work, spending a little time each day meditating, 
and practicing breathing exercises throughout the day will provide us with focus, clarity, and an increased sense of well-being. Even young children can benefit from mindfulness. In addition to helping them feel calmer during this crisis, research confirms that for children, mindfulness can mitigate the effects of bullying, enhance focus in children with ADHD, reduce attention problems, improve mental health and well-being, improve social skills when well-taught and practiced with children and adolescents. Fostering mindfulness in preschoolers with tools like pictures, objects, food, simple movements, and music can help them develop an ability to better focus their attention and stay present. A simple mindfulness activity called Belly Buddies can strengthen children's mindfulness. Children listen to music while also noticing the sensation of a small stone or other object on their stomachs rise and fall with each breath. They'll think it's fun, and you'll also benefit by the calming effect it has on their behavior. Teens and young adults are having a particularly rough month due to missing long-awaited and important rituals, from proms to high school and university graduations to facing a challenging, to say the least, environment as they enter the workforce, in addition to all of the stress these years bring under normal circumstances. Throw in social isolation at this critical period of their lives, and it's not surprising that depression is on the rise for this group. Again, even as we may become aggravated with their response to the pandemic, it's important that we try to practice patience and empathy. Their brains are still developing, and they are at a disadvantage when it comes to critical thinking, thanks to the constant flood of hormones they receive during this phase of life. Mindfulness is a powerful practice for young adults to reduce anxiety, stress, and depression, and live life more fully. That brings us to today's guest, Mark Miller, Chief Happiness Officer of Imagine IT and founder of The Gunner Project, a mindfulness-based program focused on young adults and the pursuit of happiness versus doing things that make us feel happy. Thank you for joining us, Mark. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's great. I think we have a lot of people that will be interested in what you have to say today because we've heard from a lot of parents of teenagers. They have a lot of concerns. Their teens are anywhere from sad, angry to depressed because they're missing, you know, all of the big events are this time of year, the proms, the graduations, they're stuck at home, they're getting really bored. So because of the work you do with teens, I was wondering if you could share some information about maybe a better way to handle or manage what's happening to support those teens. Sure. You know, I think it is a big challenge. You know, I think as I work with teens, one of the first things that we do is we um, look at the difference between happy and happiness. I think that in a lot of regards, teens, actually everybody, they're in this pursuit of of happy. And as research studies have sort of shown, there's a big difference between happy and happiness, even sort of in our brains and the way that we take on that and the, the chemical processes that actually reward us and give us those feelings of happier happiness. You know, happy is more of a short-term kind of a roller coaster ride, you know, going to a party, you know, doing that kind of stuff that gives us a dopamine hit in our brains and is fairly short-lived. And if we chase that happy feeling too much, we can sort of go down. It's just not very fulfilling. There's no long-term sort of effects to that. You kind of get the roller coaster ride and then you get off the roller coaster and you're like, uh, I need to get on the roller coaster ride again. I need to do it again. And I think that's 
the frustration, especially I think in the times that we're in right now with COVID and things happening, you know, kids are kind of on that roller coaster and they're missing, you know, their friends and the party and they're missing the deal and they're looking for that next thing and they can't find it because, you know, we're sort of isolated and there are all these restrictions on everybody. On the other side of that is happiness and happiness is more uh, serotonin. It's a different sort of reward system in the brain. And when you are pursuing happiness, you find things that are much more heartfelt and longer lasting and they're deeper and more meaningful. And as science has sort of kind of got out of research this, they really find that the happiness sort of falls in four buckets, right? Health is one, healthy people find happiness and engage in happiness easier than unhealthy people do. Um, it doesn't mean that somebody that's unhealthy can't find happiness, it's just a lot easier if I'm healthy, right? So being engaged, whether I'm in school or whether I'm working or whatever, being engaged helps me find that happiness easier. Having close relationships, whether that's close relationships with friends or family, those people find happiness much easier than people that are lonely. And people that feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves, whether that's religion or whatever it is, a project, an event, uh, you know, something, as long as they're part of something bigger than themselves and they feel like they're doing good in the world, those people find happiness much easier than people that don't. And I think that's the pursuit. And that's, you know, as, as I would talk to young adults, those are the kinds of things that I would say that will, that you should pursue to kind of get you to this feeling of just a place of more content and just more kind of pleasant and happy with where you're at. Wow. Yeah. I, I'd say a lot of that applies to adults too. Oh, for <laughs> so sure. Yeah. That's great. One of the things we're hearing from, or we're, we're asked a lot is what to do about devices. So how long or should we allow teens to just, because they need to socialize, just let them, you know, run free with it. So I know you have some thoughts about that. And I was wondering if you could share it. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's really interesting. The whole devices thing, you know, the other, the other thing we talk about is I feel like there's a war on our happiness. I think that, I think that all of us are gifted with a little voice inside of us, call that your conscience or call that your spirit or, you know, different, uh, different people call it different things. But I think that we have this little voice inside of us that really knows what we should do next, what we should say next, what should we eat next, what should, we have this voice inside of us. And if we, if we take a moment and find some stillness and just maybe take a step back and just ask, should I say this or should I say that? The little voice always knows inside of you what you should say. You know, if you're sitting down, you're eating and you're saying, should I have a Big Mac or should I have a salad? which of these is going to be better for my body and which, you know, when am I going to feel better in two hours from now? We all know that we should, we should eat healthy, right? So the problem with it is, is that there's this other very loud voice, I think, that's happening on the outside that's constantly barking at us to tell us that and compare us with others and tell us that we don't have enough and we're, we don't look pretty enough and we're, we're not handsome enough and we're not strong enough and we smell weird. And so we need and it's constantly barraging us with all this information that's challenging sort of our contentment a little bit. You know, there's a certain degree that if I'm perfectly content and I'm sitting in my yard playing ball with my dog, I'm in a great place there, right? The problem with it is from the other side of this, nobody's making any money there. And so right now we have the phone and devices, like you said, that is, is this constant connection to basically to discontent. 
And the idea, even if you look at the, the multi-billion dollar organizations that are out there, their idea is they've hired neuroscientists to kind of keep us in this state of discontent. So I feel like I'm having a bad day and I feel like I need to go run out and buy a $400 pair of jeans because this is going to make me feel better. It's going to make me look better. And this is going to solve all my problems. And we've all been there, right? This isn't the young adult thing. This is everybody. But you run out and you buy that $400 pair of jeans. You've had your eye on them for a while. You finally throw down the money and do the deal and you get them home. And you are not one second closer to finding happiness than you were prior to owning the jeans. But you're constantly being barked at and compared to, and here's my friend, and lo, look, she's over in France now, touring France, and oh, woe is me, you know, I'm, I'm still sitting here in cold Minnesota, you know, doing my deal. So I just think, I think there's that, there's a constant, and I think the devices that we have, have allowed for this 24-7 engagement with this constant yearning for more and wanting more and feeling like we need more, where if we just take a step back and look up at the sky and take a big deep breath of fresh air, there's just something to that that's really cool and generates incredible amounts of happiness. So true. I know that you have your own IT company, yeah. but in addition to that, you have a nonprofit where you work with teens called The Gunner Project. And I was wondering if you could tell our viewers and listeners what that project is. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, we lost a son. We had a son named Gunner. He was uh, uh, 19 years old. He had struggled a little bit with um, some alcohol issues through high school. Um, we had gotten him in, into some great facilities or some great treatment facilities around the country. And he had kind of come out on the other side of that. He was sober, doing great, getting ready to jump into college, you know, was really had his life kind of together and um, jumped on a skateboard one day and had a as the neurosurgeon described it, a one in a million accident fell on his head and died instantly. And so, you know, there we're left as parents, you know, grieving parents with having helped Gunner get kind of to the other side of, of these struggles that he'd had and into a really, really cool place. And all of a sudden he's gone. And so we felt compelled to do something. And so we started the Gunner Project. The support that we got from the community was just amazing. People continue to reach out to us, just hundreds and hundreds of different people reached out from all across the country. And there was a consistent thread that sort of ran through everything that they were talking about. And it was this fact that Gunner had this very unique ability to bring happiness into the lives of people who he had met, whether that was grandparents that he met once or young children or his friends or just sort of everybody. And so we decided to focus the efforts of the Gunner Project on getting out in front of young adults and talking about this sort of squishy topic of happiness, right? It's not like, uh, again, anybody, but mostly young adults, it's not like they're going to get together in a group of six or seven and open up a can of soda or something and say, hey, let's talk about happiness. You know, where are we at today with happiness? It's, it's kind of like talking about love, right? It's kind of squishy and ishy and everybody wants it, but nobody really wants to talk about it. And it's not cool. And and so we decided to just start a conversation and just get it out there in front of people. And it's interesting when you start talking about happiness and what causes happiness and what creates it and what prevents it. It's a really wild and engaging conversation. It goes in a million different directions. And once you sort of 
open the box and, and say it's okay to talk about it, it's a fascinating thing to talk about. So much of what we all feel like we need for happiness, we keep bottled up inside for some reason. We just don't, we don't freely share that. I think, again, I think it's a lot like the way that we talk about and handle love. And life is hard, you know, in general, you don't wake up in the morning and have everything just handed to you and everything's perfect. I think, especially in the days that we're facing now, I mean, every day is filled with challenges. And again, research has sort of shown that we start our days in a pretty good state. If you've had, you know, a decent night's sleep and you, you ate okay, you know, the prior day, you start in, at eight o'clock in the morning or whenever you wake up, you start in a really good state and Typically, people don't make terrible decisions at eight o'clock in the morning. But as you go through your day, you get in a little bit of an argument with your sibling, or you have something over here, or something comes through from your teacher or from your boss, and it nips at you a little bit. And, and this just sort of depletes sort of that your willpower, and it depletes your kind of happiness reserve over the course of the day. And so if you look at people and when they make poor decisions, those poor decisions are typically made at five o'clock in the afternoon when they're coming home from work or at nine o'clock in the evening when they're, you know, headed out with some friends. And that's when those kind of those sources are depleted. If we're conscious of that, we can continually fill our bucket as life kind of takes it out of us. We can stop for a moment and look at the sky and look at the clouds and take a big deep breath of fresh air. We can walk into a coffee shop and just smell the aromas of the coffee and smell the bakery goods. And every time we do that, we sort of lift and fill our bucket up a little bit. So at the end of the day, when we're, we just don't make those same, you know, sorts of, of bad decisions. And if you're not conscious about doing that, again, mindfulness is a big part of this. If you're not mindful of the fact that life is hard and it's sort of going to suck your willpower and some of this happiness from you, if you're not conscious about filling your bucket every day, you just kind of gradually end up losing it. And by the end of the day, you're just like, I'm out, right? I just want to go home and throw my feet up on the couch and, you know, watch TV until I fall asleep, which we all know is a, that's a terrible way to end up your, you know, kind of wind up your day. Bringing that to the forefront and, and, and having that, you know, as an open conversation is a really healthy thing to do. Wonderful. And if people wanted to know more information about the project, where should they go? You know, we've got a website. It's uh, www.gunnerproject.org. And Gunner is spelled G-U-N-N-A-R, like the old Swedes. Yeah, I've got some information there kind of about Gunner's life and some of the stuff that we're doing and uh, a little bit about the, the philosophy and stuff we've been talking about here today. Wonderful. And is there a place on that website if people want to donate to your nonprofit? You know, there is. I appreciate you bringing that up. There is at the bottom of every page, there's a little PayPal donation place. And as you know, if you've donated with PayPal, you can either use your PayPal account to donate or you can do a credit card or, or whatever else. So, and that's found in the footer of every page. Perfect. Well, I know I appreciate the work you do with teens. They're an underrepresented group that really can use a lot of support, especially now. So I appreciate all the good you do in the world. And I thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Best of luck to you and hope you stay well. All right, you too. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. You. Bye. I so admire the work Mark and his wife Anne are doing with young adults and that they took a tragedy and turned it into something that is helping so many people.
I think it's important to note that mindfulness can be life-transforming, but it is not a fix-all for every ailment. Depression can be a serious health risk, and if you have children or teens that you suspect are suffering, mindfulness can help, but it may be important to take further action. If teens reach the point where they cannot effectively handle schoolwork, social relationships, or family stress, more traditional therapy can help them learn to cope. Studies show that two out of three teens benefit significantly from talk therapy, and telehealth options are available. If younger children demonstrate an increased desire to spend time alone, experience persistent sadness, sullenness, lack of energy, or a loss of interest in activities they previously enjoyed, pediatric counseling may be considered. Again, these services are available through telehealth options, so there's no need to go into a clinic during these uncertain times. Children of all ages need to feel safe, secure, and positive about their present and future. That's pretty challenging during a time of such uncertainty, but as adults, we can emphasize strengths, hope, and positivity. We can teach them mindful practices to increase their self-efficacy. And we can all show compassion and care, reinforcing that none of us are alone during these difficult times. As we witness businesses reopening, many are feeling fear and anxiety spike. We are facing difficult decisions, so it's normal to feel uncomfortable. But we can always recenter and focus on the present to regain our calmness and clarity of mind. Sit comfortably straight with feet flat on the floor. Close your eyes or lower your gaze. Take in a nice deep belly breath through the nose and hold for a count of one, two, three, four. Exhale through the mouth. Now breathe normally, relaxing your body as you take a couple of minutes to just be here. Picture a snow globe with a tiny town square inside. Imagine vigorously shaking the globe so that all you can see is a swirl of white with no traces of the town. This is how our minds might look as worrisome thoughts swirl about. Now picture setting the snowy globe on the table and allowing it to settle. Portions of the town square slowly reappear. After just a moment or so, the liquid is clear and we can see the most minute details of the tiny town. We can settle the swirling in our minds the same way, by allowing thoughts to settle by focusing on our breath. Simply breathe and notice every detail you can about your breath. Notice where you feel it, in your nose, throat, chest, belly. Is it fast, slow, shallow, deep? Spend a moment focusing on your breath and if your mind wanders to other thoughts, gently return your focus back to your breath.
bring your attention back to your surroundings. Remember that any time our minds begin to swirl, we can simply focus on our breath to return to the present moment. In this moment, everything is fine. Life offers too many rich opportunities to just survive it, even during challenging times. Our intention is to support you in thriving through a life of purpose and meaning. Until next time, remember to be mindful. We've added mental health resources for children and teens to our website, so please visit us at worktoliveproductions.com. Also be sure to check out Mark's support for young adults at gunnerproject.org. For our Spanish-speaking listeners, this week's Spanish podcast includes an interview with Maritza Soto-Gomez, director of mindfulness programs in her Connecticut school district that includes more mindfulness activities for children. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please rate this podcast so that others can find us. And follow us on social media at Work to Live. A Mindful Moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee. The Spanish version is translated and recorded by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat, by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll, by Josh Kirsch, Meteorite Productions. Meditation music, White River, by Akash Gandhi. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions. Thank you for tuning in.